Welcome into the Trevor Stobbs Show, episode number 42. Uh, if you saw the title, you'll probably realize this is not going to be like a typical episode. Um, we normally have a guest on here. I do an interview each week, and next week that'll continue. But for this week, since we're approaching the end of the year, I decided to do something a little bit different and kind of put together a compilation uh, from all the interviews we've done throughout the year. Um, this was really cool for me to put together just because as I was going through all the different people I interviewed this year, it kind of floored me a little bit. I kind of just didn't even realize all the cool people I've been able to talk to uh, and had an awesome opportunity to be able to talk to. You know, I just, I kind of like, I don't know if I was numb to it or just forgot how many people I was able to interview, but you know, we've been doing this for, this is the 42nd week in a row and it's really been a cool journey. So I've basically compiled a bunch of my favorite interviews. I obviously not everybody uh, that I've interviewed is able to be featured, but some of my favorite interviews um, and some of the question prompts that I thought were really cool and really insightful or just really fun to listen to. And I put them all together in one compilation to kind of showcase the show and how it's evolved over the entire year. Um, one thing I will mention is if you're listening on audio, don't worry, I have the intro to each guest um, in front of the clip. So you'll be able to know who I'm talking to without seeing it. Uh, so don't worry about that. Uh, I also just want to say that thank you so much to everybody that supported the show, um, the feedback I've received as I've kind of gotten better at this interview thing and, and worked on it has been incredible. I always love hearing from the people that are um, consistently listening to my show and giving me support. So I, I really wouldn't be able to do this without you guys. And I, I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. It's been incredible. Um, just, just getting that support. Um, another thing I want to say is stay tuned to the end of this video because I am going to be announcing a little giveaway I'm doing to kind of show my my gratitude to everybody for the support of this show. So stay tuned at the end. Um, but for now, let's go ahead and get into the compilation. All right. So we've got our first guest for the show, the inaugural guest. Uh, this is, we got the 10th ranked player currently by UDISC in the world. One of the furthest thrillers on the planet and a true pioneer for the sport of disc golf, in my opinion, Drew Gibson, uh, Regardless of play, you know, one thing that you definitely always bring to the course is, is the style. You know, I, I definitely respect that, you know, you bring your own personal flair to the disc golf course. The most signature look you have for sure is the vans playing in the vans. I've always been super jealous of that because I am like a notorious toe dragger on the tee pad. So if I play in anything, I'm just destroying it. So like I have no options whatsoever. But uh, I noticed you posted... You posted uh, earlier this year, I forget when it was, uh, the picture of the Dior's and you talked about maybe playing in Dior shoes instead of the Vans. Was that actually serious or is it is it Vans all the way this year? Jordan 1 low is what I'm going to try to play Ooh, in. Ooh, okay. Um, I, I've always been a person, like, I actually posted on my trim straight the other day because I saw someone like commenting on the post for a thing like, oh, everyone's on the Vans thing now. And I posted a picture of me in like 2017 playing in Converse. Yeah. I was like, I've played Converse and Vans since I've been on tour, like this is no new, like it just like disc golf's bigger now. So you guys are noticing, but like, I'm not like I'm playing in the same stuff. I've kind of always played in. And I, and I went through this phase where I wore Nike, you know, and I wore Nike shoes and trail running shoes, but even then I was still playing practice rounds in Converse. Like I just chose to compete in a grippier shoe. Um, but I like the flat footedness of being, feeling like I'm co connected to the tee pad. I don't like a high arching shoe. I don't like a shoe that's stiff on the bottom. Um, so uh, I mean, this weekend in Maricopa, I'm playing in a Jordan 1 low. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's – I'm going to try If I slip on the tee pad, I mean, in practice rounds, I didn't have one problem. So, All right. Now, welcoming to the show, we have a special guest today. We have comedian, podcaster, television host, and actor, Burt Kreischer. Yeah, but so I just got a few phrases. I'm just curious. We'll start with the easy ones and get a little more 
into like the the oh, disc golf. Good phrases. luck. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> well, I'm going to start. I'm going to start very easy. So very first one I have here is Heiser flip. Do you know yeah. what a Heiser flip is? Heiser flips when you throw it like this and it goes like this. Overhand? Is that what you said? Oh yeah. What's the? Oh wait. Heiser flip. Heiser flip is when it goes. It goes out, but then comes in. Basically means By it's way, gonna... see already already you realize how in the weeds I am already yeah. when you go no. under saber over saber it's like just say left and right listen what the f- <laughs> no listen in my mind the rest of these the good news is the rest of the phrases I was gonna bring up they've been canceled already because we figured it out <laughs> we've gotten we've gotten as far as we needed to <laughs> it's so confusing listen I just with... had to get a baseline because I had no idea where we were gonna get with oh this. my baseline is my baseline is uh, my baseline is I don't even know what the i'm doing with any of these okay (laughs) like my baseline is i have i had probably have no joke i probably have 200 discs yeah and i throw the same three rates well every time you know that's the best way to like you know you get too far into this and it becomes a mess because the way you describe i look at i look at like we played with a bunch of guys out of we played with a bunch of innova guys yeah and they're all pulling out different like mid-range and then drivers lightweight drivers heavy drivers i'm like I, i understand i understand uh, if you're going into the wind, throw it heavy. If you're going with the wind, throw it light. Sure, sure. I understand that. But like as far as like and then I and then one time they're like, hey, you should throw a roller here. Yeah. And, I, and they that? showed me throw a roller. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, great. But who the f- knows where that's going? Yeah, it's like I a don't. runaway team. Yeah, I it don't. just takes off. I all right. I'm here with the 2020 US champion, two-time Pro Tour Championship winner, and the recent open at Belton champion, Chris Dickerson. Uh, one one little segment I wanted to do to- for the end of this show is kind of plays off your nickname a little bit. So for those of you who don't know, Chris's nickname, uh, as coined by Jeremy Colling, is Robot Chicken. Uh, this is due to his robotic way of attacking the course uh, and then also your love for chicken and mostly your diet is chicken. Um, yep. So what I wanted to do here on the show officially is get the Chris Dickerson certified power rankings top five chicken all time. Right here, official. No pressure. <laughs> All time. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I I had someone ask me about this the other day. So, um, I will say the number one spot. There's kind of a tie at the moment. Okay. Um, it is a. Uh, there's a restaurant in Nashville called uh, Party Fowl. Okay. Their chicken is very good i would rate it like a nine out of ten uh there's a restaurant in chattanooga called uh champies okay chicken also a nine out of ten um so yeah that's tied for first third place i think would be somewhere around like a texas roadhouse okay okay and, uh you know it's not for me it's the chicken itself but it's also you know the sides whatever no, it's else the experience uh, comes yeah. Yeah. Because, like, you know, Texas Roadhouse, unlimited rolls. Exactly. I love bread. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm on board <laughs> with the Texas Roadhouse for sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there are great places that I haven't uh, gotten to. I just haven't tried before. But as far as, like, we'll, we'll jump into uh, fast food for the last couple of spots. Okay. Um, Raising Cane's yeah. is – my favorite uh, as far as fast food, and then you know Chick Fil A has got to be right up there too. Mm, got it, got to throw Chick Fil A in there. Well, okay, you've heard it, you've heard it here. This is the official Chris Dickerson Robot Chicken Certified Power Rankings of Chicken.
All right, and we're here now with two-time world champion and the recent Las Vegas Challenge champion, Katrina Allen. Um, so since it's already kind of a storyline that's back in the spotlight, I just wanted to briefly mention the whole cat versus page narrative. Um, and I, really what I wanted to just ask you mostly is, you know, it really it gets brought up because just where you end up in the standings, typically tournaments and tournament, there's not really anything else that fuels it. So I just wanted to say, like, between you guys, is there really any anything there is there a sense do you ever feel a sense of rivalry i guess is what i'm asking or is it just completely fueled by by the fans and the media um for me myself i guess i've always just like taken it as like an individual sport and stayed within my game i'm thinking me versus the course me mm -hmm. versus you know my capabilities what can i do um and no, I, not for me. I'm not good in those situations. Like anything like negative or like thinking about, you know, as long as I beat her, everything's good. Nothing yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and I just think we've both been on tour the longest and mm -hmm. we've both just really enjoyed trying to, you know, I think we both have that same competitive, like, don't tell us we can't do it. And we've always yeah. tried to like throw farther, throw the rollers, you know, I think we just, yeah, I think it's more like that. And that's why you catch us up here. But right. I mean, no, where I think, I don't know about her, but if Paige is on my card, I'm always like, sweet. We've been playing together for 12 years. It's going to yeah. be really smooth, really easy, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, and it, and it's, it's one of those things. I hate to ruin everyone's. <laughs> All right, we're here now with our first in-studio guest. Um, it made sense since Brody was in town to have him as the first in-studio guest, but it's kind of a different feel for the show this week, but hopefully you all enjoy it. It should make for, honestly, an easier interview experience. Um, but we've got Brody Smith. One of the topics that kind of surrounded you since joining Disc Golf, um, and this is kind of honestly probably one of the reasons you get some of the hate, was, is just kind of the golf versus disc golf mm -hmm. um, sort of topic. Um you know, originally when you came in, you were very, very dead set on pretty much every aspect, you know, needing to work to strive to emulate towards golf, mm -hmm. even, you know, whether a lot of it having to do on the professional side, but some of it actually like within rules of the game, things like that. Um, just for me knowing you, I know that your opinion has softened on some of those things mm -hmm. as you've been in the game longer. What are, you know, how, how much do you think your opinion has changed since you've been in disc golf? Like, what have you realized that's kind of changed things on that? Yeah. I mean, dress code obviously is one of the big ones. I would say that I have flipped on of where when I first was coming in, I was very much on like the side of like, we need to be wearing stuff like they do in golf, where right. polos, tucked in shirts, belts, nice hats, you know, slacks or shorts, whatever it may be. I've completely flipped on that. I think we should definitely be more open to letting people one kind of express their originality and stuff, right? Of where if they do want to wear um, jerseys with their logos on it or whatever, that's fine. I also think like just the, what we're doing, it's almost, I would say it's more closer to like tennis. Mm -hmm. So like the type of, the type of uh, apparel tennis players wear yeah. seem more appropriate that's than the comparison. type of apparel golfers wear. Right. Um, so that I've kind of flipped on. Um, I'm trying to think there might've been a couple other things that I feel like I have definitely like seen that side of where it's like, Oh yeah, that probably does make a little bit more sense. Right. Obviously I'm still very firm on a lot of things like ratings. I haven't changed my mind on ratings, um, drop zones, uh, 
kind of like those type of things I haven't really changed my mind on. Yeah. Um, I get, I'm, I guess I'm also a little bit more open to having some tournaments where the winning score is like 30 under or plus. Yeah. Where I think before be, yeah. I was very much like, no, like we need to have it to where like the winners are always like 12, 13, 14 under. I've definitely see how like some courses like the preserve, yeah. you know, going in the winner's going to shoot 30 under or more. Yeah. I think as long as it's not every single tournament, I think that's fine. So I'm or open towards more open towards that. Um, I feel like there were definitely a couple other things. I'm blanking on them now. I would say though, but basically though, most of what you've kind of changed on is just stuff that you just kind of had to realize from being in the sport long enough and yeah. being on tour. Yeah, I think I think obviously when you come in, you you know, I was always trying to do like my put my best like intentions for the sport and be like, have like an outsider view of like, Hey, this is stuff that these sports are doing that are very successful. Why aren't we doing that? Right. And I still think a lot of like the business side of stuff makes sense. Business side, definitely. But there are, I think some things like on like the, uh, like the, I guess live too, the live versus post. That was like another one. Yeah. I feel like maybe I've softened my, uh, uh, my stance on that a little bit. I still think live is King. I still think, Live is going to be the thing that brings in the most money for the Disc Golf Pro Tour. But now it's like, you know, what we kind of talked about, I guess, when I first came in is kind of actually happening, right? Like, Jomez just came out saying that they've paid an absorbent amount of money for the rights, where none of that was really ever talked about when I first came in. It just always kind of seemed like, if, if anything, the tournaments and stuff were paying for these companies to come out and film them versus the other way around. So, but I definitely am more softened on the idea of like until live can take like coverage to the next level. Yeah. I still think post-produce is something that is helping grow disc golf. It's helping more Mm -hmm. people get into it. More people watch and pay attention to it. Yeah. And it's a good thing to have while, disc golf builds to where once live has enough cameras and have enough producers and storylines and all that stuff to create that incredible product, then I think post-produce probably doesn't really exist as much in that same scale. Right. All right. We welcome onto the show. Now our guest for this week, we have the 2022 Ledgestone insurance open champion and the 2021 pro tour player of the year, Missy Gannon. But looking at the FPO scene as a whole, what do you think, you know, things have obviously started shifting in the right direction and, you know, the purses have gotten bigger, the tour is getting stronger, but what do you think the next steps are to taking the FPO division to the next level competitively and commercially? What are kind of some of the trends that you like? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that eventually it's, um, we're almost going to have to have like a parallel tour for the women. Um, alone. That was my next question. Yeah, so I'm yeah. glad you mentioned it. I, only, be, only, only because we, um, you know, the pro tour is already doing a really great job of making sure that there are enough women, um, you know, FPO spots available. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are, are only so many events that can really handle, you know, two fields of over a hundred. And I think that we are really like quickly getting to the point where we might be pushing a hundred, you know, solid FPO players coming out on tour um, or wanting to play an event. And um, I think, I think the next steps and what it seems like uh, the pro tour is trying to do is 
to have um, a lot more Silver Series events to allow some of those up and coming FPO players to still kind of make their own tour without. All right, so we're here with the king of disc golf YouTube, one of the original crush boys, Simon Lazat. I wanted to kind of pivot a little bit and I kind of just wanted to talk about your career as a whole a little bit. I wanted to get some insight. So when you kind of first got into disc golf, you were sort of labeled as like the German disc golf prodigy. That was kind of like how people were perceiving you when you got into the sport. But then pretty soon what fans started to hold on to was kind of the way you played the game, your, your arm strength and, and your distance you were able to achieve off the tee was what stood out pretty quick. Um, and this led you kind of to the Crush Boys era to where you and Eagle were, you know, throwing lines that nobody else was throwing, kind of changing the game in that way. Um, my question is throughout your career, you know, though your career has been filled with a lot of success as a competitor, you've had a lot of big wins. Um, you finished consistently near the top 10 on the pro tour. Do you feel like because of that success, do you feel like that the public perception of you as more of an entertainer has overshadowed your professional accolades at all? I mean, I blame myself for that because basically in every interview I ever do, I always say that I don't care about my performance, really. I don't care about winning, <laughs> which is a, a total half truth. Obviously, I care. I mean, I've been playing disc golf my whole life. Obviously, I'm extremely competitive and yeah. uh, I love winning and I love playing well. But I just had to realize that uh, showing up every week, week in, week out against Paul and Ricky and now like 20 other guys, um, mm -hmm. it was just totally like not my style. And I always wondered like in my brain, like why, what's wrong with me? Why am I not trying harder? But that's, that's just me. And uh, I found a really cool kind of like niche in the sport where I could be like the showman, the entertainer, almost like the show off. Yeah. Um, and my body was able to handle it for a lot of years and then yeah. recently not anymore. Um, so it definitely took a toll on my body doing that. But I had so much fun getting into trick shots. That was like back in 2014, 2015. I was just building the fan base, my Instagram. Like I, I was pretty much the most followed disc golfer except for Paul Macbeth pretty much yeah. for the last eight, nine years. Yeah. Um, and that's helped a lot, of course, with uh, signature disc sales and whatever we do with merch and stuff. Right. Uh, so I was always able to be very comfortable as a touring pro, like at least financially, just because of the fan base. Even yeah. I wasn't like like Paul or Ricky, like competing for the win every weekend. But yeah, yeah. back, to, back and, to your question. It's all my fault. It's, it's all my fault that I'm perceived <laughs> the way I am because that's kind of who I wanted to be. All right, and we're welcoming you into the show now, our guest for today, Ezra Aderhold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another thing I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit that, you know, is still a part of your touring lifestyle is your diet, because obviously yeah. it's super unique. Your diet and fitness regimen is probably one of the like outside of your disc golf game. It's one of the things that you're kind of known for these days. Uh, it's just the discipline that you have with your with your diet and your fitness. Um, one thing that people probably might, might not know is that you've actually been a vegan, you know, plant based eater since you were a toddler. Talk a little bit about how that kind of came into play and then like what kind of role that kind of had in your childhood. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, it's kind of the only experience that I have, you know, I've only lived one life, so it's kind of all I know. Uh, but yeah, my, my parents went vegan or plant based or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think like right when I was born, maybe, maybe when I was one years old. So I, I've been, I've been plant-based my whole life and, you know, obviously, you know, fitness and diet are, are kind of important to me. It's kind of, it's kind of a hobby now too, to where I, yeah. I enjoy staying in shape and, and trying to be healthy. And, 
Um, I think it obviously it helps disc golf as well. Um, but yeah, it's 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 you know I've, I've never been like not vegan, so I can't like compare it to that. I've I've tried some some like normal food here and there, but nothing's really made me want to kind of you know swap over. So it's it's yeah. Of of all the non-vegan foods you've tried, like which is is there any that like stood out to you that you like remember like oh yeah that one was pretty good or are they all kind of just been like ah eh, that's all right don't really need that. Yeah, it, it'd probably be sweets, maybe. Um, but that's kind of a hack answer because, like, you can make vegan sweets kind of taste the same. It's mostly just sugar anyway. Um, uh, yeah, Oreo I, cookies I are know. vegan, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, I've had some decent, I've tried, like, I tried Chicken Wings in Jonesboro. There's a place called Wings to Go. That's kind of a, a go-to spot. I tried one okay. of their wings. That was that was pretty good. Um, well, there was, like, a, there was this place called, um, there was this place in Salt Lake City called Pretty Bold, I think. I tried a chicken sandwich, and that was that was okay. pretty good. But that like had all the breading on it and stuff too. So I don't know if yeah. I like if I like the meat if I just liked everything else. But all right, we welcome in our guest for the show this week. We have the 2021 Disc Golf Pro Tour and PDGA Rookie of the Year, Gannon Burr. Uh, but not everyone knows kind of the cool story of you know how you found disc golf in the first place. So kind of start by just telling that story to k- catch everybody up. Yep. So I had I was originally born in Virginia. And then I moved to Iowa when I was like four years old. Um, and then I was living up north with my grandparents in northern Iowa. And uh, my mom got a new job. So we got our own house in Des Moines, Iowa, a little bit further south. And uh, I mean, I guess I just had nothing to do. I found Brody Smith's trick shot videos on YouTube. And um, well, I had a basketball hoop in my backyard and wanted to replicate those shots. So I went to the store to buy an ultimate Frisbee and I bought a champion Firebird by accident. And then kind of just got hooked from there. I, I did go back to the Ultimate Frisbee once I actually like found out what it was. Okay. Um, but then eventually stuck with disc golf because it was more fun. So, yeah. So I've heard this story, you know, a few times. And the part that always gets me is like, I understand the mistake kind of of like accidentally grabbing a disc golf disc. But like, what was it like then when you walked into the store, like what was it that led you to picking a firebird up and like thinking that that was the correct thing to grab <laughs> like <laughs> is it just it looked better or like what was it i thought i thought the firebird sounded cool so i was like <laughs> i was like oh, that sounds so sick and i just like i grabbed it and i would say it's so overstable and i was yeah. like yo who's this ken Klimo guy you know he's, <laughs> he's so good <laughs> i was called yeah. ken Klimo as, as a kid and then um obviously that stamp hasn't changed since then so it's always cool to see a champion firebird yeah, my first one was like a greenish yellowish color. So anytime I see one of those, it's kind of good memories and it's really cool to see kind of how I started disc golf. Do you still have the original Firebird? Do you still have it? No, my I think it's I think it's still to this day in the tree. I, I chucked it in. Or no, my okay. dad chucked it in. Um he came over to my house and we were just chucking uh it in the backyard and there's this massive evergreen tree, probably forty feet tall, and it's like one of the thickest evergreen trees I've ever seen. And he had like a massive forehand and just like went straight into the top of it and, you know, never came down. Dang. I bet, I bet if I asked the neighbors, they'd, I bet they have it. I mean, it, it might be a piece of disc golf history at this point, yeah. but I, know, I, I only live like 10 minutes from them now. So. All right, we welcome on our guest today. Today we have Isaac George. Isaac is one of the guys behind GK Pro, one of the leading media companies in disc golf with over 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. You most likely know them for their very popular GK's GK Pro Skins matches or from the post-produced coverage they do on the Pro Tour. I guess so, so the live broadcast, obviously, at first it's delayed. Then it 
starts and obviously issues left and right. It starts picking up steam on the internet. You know, people are posting about it like, oh my gosh, you've got to see um, what's going on with the, the skins match, uh, this and that. And yeah, so how long, you know, how long does it go before you're, you're, there's decisions being made like, okay, this is not going to work itself out. We got to shut this down. Um, so I knew like, okay, we show up at like six, we show up before call time. Mason productions is basically late to their own call time. Mm. Um, which it's like right there. It's just like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, like I was sitting right. in the truck being like, you know what the vibe this morning is? They're going to be late guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, they show up like 10 minutes late. Maybe it wasn't until like six forty-five that like the group of them were there. Uh, and then it's like coffee time, you know, it's just yeah, like silly. Just like, guys, yeah. Yeah. It's like, they're all standing around with their hands in their pockets. Like, all right, let's get some gear out. Let's like, we got a show time at six 30. Like, why isn't the booth turned on? Where is the booth? Like, oh, up until this point, like they never told us about that booth. Like he never correct after we had discussed what the original booth design would be. Yeah. He never came back to me. He was like, hey, we changed the booth design. So like originally it was going to be, they already had a desk picked out and everything. And it was going to be like looking out over the cake hole underneath yeah. the tent, have some lights in there. Like all you'd see is like a cake hole and like the commentators. It would have been really, really, really pretty. Uh, so that obviously was a huge disaster than putting them in that basement with a green screen. And, but yeah. the other thing with that, that morning that showed up and there was like $10,000 of lights in that basement, like oh really gosh. high quality, like high level lights. So again, I was playing this game, like at 6 30 AM. I'm like, well, those are some expensive lights. So like, yeah, there's just so many nice things here. It has to be maybe good. we'll just, maybe we'll just be late to the broadcast, you know, like <laughs> checking my, my, yeah, I was supposed to start at seven 30. Maybe it's just like, maybe we'll be eight 30. All right. And we're welcoming onto the show. Now our special guest, we have the 2017 USDGC champion, Nate Sexton. But, uh, but yeah. And then what, what was the second part of the question? Sorry. I was just, I was wondering if, it's difficult for you to think about the idea of retiring. If that, oh, if that's no, kind of that, grim to you. No, that's not difficult to think about for me. I don't think I've been doing this a long time and retirement in disc golf is so like foggy anyway. Like who retires? You know, yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna still be out there and maybe I won't be cashing, but like, I'll still come play some tournaments if they'll sure. let me in. We'll see. Sure. Maybe they won't even let me in in those days. But like, you know, as long as my, if I still have a lifetime, uh, exemption into the usdgc you know i'll be out there trying my hand at it every once in a while and there go you just go. play and you know who cares man i mean it's and i'll still be playing locally and i'll play this game as long as i'm able so mm -hmm. retirement is yeah i don't know it doesn't feel as final as say like a basketball player or somebody who's like it's this is it i'm my final season yeah, goodbye yeah. everybody because i'll still be around and and you know involved so no it doesn't it doesn't pain me or scare me or or you know i'm not losing any sleep over the fact that that i'll that i'm towards the end of my elite level career all right we're welcoming into the show now our special guest for today's episode we have the disc golf guy terry miller all right what what, what are some of the what are some of the things and and I'll, i'm i have to ask questions now but what yeah are, oh what yeah. are some no, of the honestly things? this is this is all i wanted <laughs> is for you to ask me questions what are some of the things that you guys, you know, and I know we we always try to spare feelings to some degree, but what are some yeah. of the things you guys really like, like that you want to see mm -hmm. more or hear more of? What are 
what kind of gets you guys going that you love within okay. a podcast? Yes. Yeah, so commentary wise, number one thing that like, and this is the reason why you're number one in the power rankings is you stick to your role of play by play, probably mm. the best. That is super important. You don't have any overlap. So that is, that's mm. very key. Um, number two, most important thing that we really like, and this has a lot to do with the, um, whoever is the on course reporter. Cause the, that is like a role that has been experimented with a lot more this year yep. and something that we've taken notice to. And Nate Perkins and Brian Earhart, uh, especially Brian Earhart did an awesome job with that. Mm. Really good. Um, I think that course context, this is actually, this is probably like the biggest thing course context. So a shot, about to land and a commentator being able to say this is headed towards a good spot or this is headed towards a bad spot and then when it lands being able to tell you exactly what they have from that spot because they know the course that is huge because golf and it's it's easier in disc golf than it is in traditional golf to identify where a disc is going but no matter what it's always you're always going to need to be clued in because you can't you can't perceive the disc if it's headed exactly towards that gap or depending on the angle, ooh, is it going to hit that tree? So when a commentator can clue you in before the fact, that that I think is huge. That's something that we, we really key in on. Today we have a very special guest. We've got the now six-time world champion, Paul McBeth. So you end up winning. You tap in for that title. And, you know, after what happened last year, did it almost just feel like redemption a little bit? Like you had it snatched from you at the last moment. It felt like out of your control to a sense. And, you know, with just like that one in a million shot going in really. And, you know, you you get it back the very next year. Did it almost feel like, wow, like almost like making things right for you, like getting that title that you thought you should have gotten last year? Uh, it, It's definitely, I mean, it's, it's almost a matching storyline with that. But yeah. uh, I don't know if it goes so far as to back to like that and, and like, you know, I feel like I got this back because uh, it was such an insane battle for this one because yeah. I feel like it was so different battling with Aaron than it was like that battle last year. Mm-hmm. Like it was it literally felt like just Aaron and I the whole time. Yeah. The final round. Because, Very match play. Because he wasn't going to give anything away. Yeah. yeah. He might miss some putts and stuff like that, but that's just Aaron's game. Like True. he's getting there all the time. And, and that's like his, you know, that that's his weak point, I guess, is, is putting. But he was putting so good leading up to that. So, um so yeah, I mean, it just, it felt great, but I think just kind of like I've been telling myself all year, like you know, win worlds, win worlds, win worlds. This will, right. this will, this is that turning point in the season that you've been looking for and that you've been wanting Simon. because nobody's taking control of this year. Yeah, like there's not a single, you know, Simon has three, Ricky has three, Calvin's true. been playing well. Like nobody's taking control this year, and you know, it's it's that, you know, it's not over till it's over kind of kind of year for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, after this, I got, I got four more events, but you know, I'm still looking forward to what I got coming up, but it's just, I don't know. It it felt great to win that. It was an emotional one because I feel like I've put so much into winning this one, Mm -hmm. especially this year. All right. I think that was uh, a fun wrap up to the year, um, for the Trevor Staub show, just kind of going back through those episodes, kind of remembering some of those, those clips that we've done throughout the year. Um, I do want to talk about that giveaway I mentioned at the beginning of the video. Um, so all you have to do to enter this giveaway, I'm going to be giving away quite a few discs from my personal collection. Um, you know, I want to I want to give out some of my favorite discs that I have on my shelves. And what I'm going to do is, if you share this video anywhere on social, uh, you can do that down uh, in the video description area. 
and then comment with your favorite episode or show moment. Um, that's how you can enter the giveaway. I'm going to pick a few people and send out some really cool discs from my personal collection. But we will be back next Thursday with a guest. Um, but I wanted to have this show this week as kind of a special thing. And once again, thank you so much for supporting the Trevor Stop Show. We're going to continue doing this in 2023 and uh, getting a bunch more awesome guests. So we'll see you then. <laughs> Thank you.